This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Stephen Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, Mindset Nation, once again, we have another incredible guest coming up here. I'm really excited about him. But first, just a reminder, make sure you go join the Insider Club at theinvestormindset.com to find out first what we have coming down the pipeline. And uh, I wanted to read a great review from D. Sketch. Great to listen to the episodes once per day. The lessons that are being discussed are really helpful to motivate yourself to succeed and to persevere through anything you have to deal with. Well, thank you so much, D, for the great review. And thank you to everyone who's dropped one. So if you haven't, make sure you head over to iTunes and leave us one today so we can get bumped back up in the rankings and keep reaching more people with this investor mindset. Let's jump into the show. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am very, very excited here. I have Jay Helms in the uh, in the studio today. How you doing, Jay? I am exhausted as we were just... I was going to tell you I'm great, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a long day so far. I got up at three this morning to a crying baby to change a diaper, and I never could go back to sleep after that. So... It's going to be fun. <laughs> the joys of business and parenthood. There's no time for sleep. So a little bit about Jay. Jay Helms is a W-2 employee who's focused on building legacy wealth for his family. He was at a crossroads where he loved his job, but he wanted to focus on building a portfolio, which ended up leading him to launching W-2 Capitalist, a great podcast community focused on helping people who love their W-2 find their way to success in real estate while keeping that W-2 alive. You ready to jump into this, buddy? Let's go. All right. So you've obviously hit some success. You're doing things that you love, which I think is one of the most successful things. Um, but if we take a look back, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Yeah, uh, so very interesting question. Um, if I look back now, you know, my, my grandparents... I would say they were the f first people to do the Burr strategy. Most probably all your listeners are familiar with the Burr uh -huh. strategy, but they did it out of necessity. And I don't know how much repairing was done, but they, one of the things that I heard my dad complain about when he was growing up is they moved. I think he said they moved like something like 13 times within our city um, that I grew up in, he grew up in, that um, before, I think it was before he was the age of 12 or 15 or something like that. So they'd buy a house, live in it for a while, or rent a house and, and go on to the next thing. What well, turned out eventually, uh, by the time I was born, my uh, grandparents had owned a single family home. Now, the way they got that single family home was interesting, but next to it uh, was what they called a tenant building. So they were actually landlords uh, growing up. So mm -hmm. I kind of got to see this, but I never really thought that I would get into this space, right? And I was like, nah, it's not something for me. But I kind of wish I would have honed in to that a little bit more. I had this awesome resource. Obviously, somebody I trusted, right? Obviously, somebody who is out for my well-being. Um, but I never tapped into it. But isn't that so cool? But isn't that so cool to think that you had that inspiration right there, you know, guiding you all on your path. And then eventually you found your way. You found your way back to real estate. Might have been years later, but I'm sure that still played an influence on your path. Absolutely. You know, I got to see um, different tenants. 
right? There's uh, learned a little bit about different asset classes. Uh, and, you know, I look at my parents, my, my dad, mom and dad, they would buy properties just along the way. They'd get a little extra money. They'd buy some land, hold on to it, and then sell it a little bit later. And the thing is, every time they did that, they would make a nice chunk of change right now. As uh-huh. a son, they wouldn't necessarily tell me, "Hey, you know, go over the numbers with me." Which I'm, try- I will. That's something I'll do with my kids when they get a little bit older, so they understand. I mean, they're four, two, and two months right now, so they don't really yeah. grab the concept. Even though we take them to as much as we can, or get them involved as much as we can, but um, you know, th- you just know these transactions. And my, I just know these transactions. My parents did uh, worked out very well for them. Right. So now when I see that, I see what my grandparents did. It's one of those things where, okay, how can I expedite this uh, to where uh, exponential success from what they had? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's amazing. Right. Not very many people have that growing up where they have grandparents who are investing, where they have parents who you can look back and, and you can apply that. But, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like as your bio kind of uh, alluded to, you absolutely love your job. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what, what is it that you do and uh, how have you made your way into the investing field uh, while doing that? Yeah, so for for the longest time, I've been in the IT industry. That's where my career has been. Uh, and I've done just about everything from support now to I'm a director, or not director, excuse me, um, a sales manager for our direct side of the house. And I changed jobs, uh, changed companies a few months ago. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've learned along the way, you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier was that I love the fact of the, I'm going to use air quotes, right, of guaranteed money coming in. So I'm used to that, but also was not seeing that our net worth and it financial goals that we were wanting uh-huh. to hit as a, as a couple and now as a family, we weren't getting them just through my salary alone, right? Uh, or, or our income alone. So now that we look at, okay, how do we do that? And, you know, first thing we yeah. look into is, okay, well, all these people are doing these cool, sexy flip things on HGTV. Let's get into that. Wasn't for us, right? We're high demanding jobs, growing family. We don't have time to do that. We're not going to make time for that, right? So Uh um, we adopted the buy and hold strategy, make sure we had our criteria down into that. Um, But one of the things that I discovered when we started hitting and getting some progress with our real estate investing, I I noticed that you know a lot of people talk about stress and their work and how much they hate their work life and whatnot and this whole work-life balance kind of thing. Again, I'm using air quotes if you can't see me. to me, there really is no work-life balance, right? Yeah. And what I discovered is I was putting an enormous stressful burden on myself to hit these financial targets uh-huh. on my W-2 job, right? And when I discovered, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to hit it. I've got to figure out how to, to get multiple streams of income. Uh-huh. I, luckily, I stumbled upon a rich dad, poor dad, and that just blew my mind, right? And when we started investing and we started having our success with it and we started getting that more passive income... I actually realized, hey, I love what I do. I'm not necessarily concerned about the income anymore. So it actually made me a better employee, right? So then we get into this W2 capitalist movement that we started. As you mentioned, we've got the podcast, we've got the Facebook group. And through that, I've started a mentorship program. 
And what I've discovered is I really love coaching people and helping them succeed, not only to be a better person, but also to be a better employee. Because I think if you can make them a better person and make them a happier person, they're going to they're gonna be a better employee just by nature. If not, they're going to figure out something about themselves that they're going to go and do and want to do, right? And be successful at. So through all of that, I just changed jobs this last uh, two or three months ago um, to where I have that opportunity every day where I can go in, I can coach people and I can, you know, I kind of look at them as, as my skilled players because they, in selling, which was what they do, they're a lot better at it than I am, right? And they've asked me before, hey, what have you sold before? And I'll say, well, here's, here's what I've done before, but I'll tell you, if you're asking me to relate that to what you do today and, and you want me to get on the phone call and do, do a call with you and a, and a potential customer and close that deal, I'm not the best resource, right? And it's it sounds weird saying that, but sales managers don't make the best salespeople and salespeople don't make the best sales managers, right? Know where your skill set is. And coaching people and just, you know, t- turning that knob, just tweaking it just a little bit will set them on a bigger path to success. 100%. Right? And I've got enough experience to be dangerous, but enough experience to give them the confidence that they can do it on their own. And that's what I'm trying to do is, if you look at it from a coaching player standpoint, you know, if you've ever played any kind of team sport or any sport at all, your coach is not going to be out on the field with you, right? He's going to be in the dugout yelling at you. He's going to be at practice. Hey, let's go through these drills and give you the right mindset. You know, it's, it's kind of goes back to why is Tom Brady's quarterback coach not out there on the field, right? There's a lot more things that go into being the, the best quarterback there is in the NFL, um, just like there, there's a lot that goes into be a really good salesperson. Right. So I know my strengths is coaching. It's not, it's not being on the field and running the plays. <laughs> well, what I think is really cool and I think will inspire a lot of folks who are listening, a lot of our, our, uh, our, our loyal listeners here is that what you ended up figuring out was like, Hey, what is success to me? And success to you was I really love my job, but I also really like this idea of the real estate thing and what it can create for me. Um, and you know, we talk a lot about mindset and there's a lot of different ways to end up getting to success. But for you, you ended up figuring out, well, for me, I, I know I want to, I want to keep working because I love what I do. But I also know that on the other hand, I want to spend some of that time investing in my future um, so that something else can yeah. grow while I'm working so that I can put that money into a place and that I can be in a place for my family where I can have some kind of freedom. And I think that's, that's so. That's so smart because there's a lot of people, and I'm one of them, who are uh, big believers in focus or big believers in the idea that you kind of got to go all in. But yeah. it really depends on your personality. Like for me, I'm an all in kind of guy. I got to like, you know, yeah. burn the boats and jump in with both feet. But that's not right for everybody. And I think that it's, it's really refreshing to hear another view of somebody who did it another way and it ended up working out. And so what I'm curious about here is talk to me about how you were able to make that work for you to have a successful career while also growing your real estate business and being present with a family because you have three kids and a wife and frankly, I'm sure you're pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you can't leave the family out of that conversation, right? Because that's, that's number one. The way, the way that I do that is outsource, right? Because time is limited. I also figured out, uh, stumbled upon uh, The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Uh, I am traditionally not a miracle, uh, not a miracle. I'm not a morning person, right? And, but when we started having kids and we started, 
you know, going down this real estate path, I also discovered that uh, I'm not an afternoon or evening person because I'm so exhausted from with the kids, with work. And when I get at home in the afternoon, I, I mentally, I'm just gone, right? Where I, all I want to do is sit down with my kids, have some dinner and with the fam, have some dinner, veg out and watch TV. So I want to be the sharpest that I can be, right? When, I, when I'm doing things that are going to affect us financially. So what I discovered with How Elrod's book is that when I get up in the morning, now I had to go through this exercise, right? And the first time I thought that uh, stumbled across this book, I was like, okay, well, I normally get up at seven. I'm going to start yeah. getting up at 5.30, not the case, right? So the same reason you don't go into the gym and think you're going to bench press 500 pounds when you've never lifted a weight. Same same concept, right? So what I started doing is I would back my alarm clock up 15 minutes for two weeks, right? And then once I started getting up routinely 15 minutes earlier, I back it up again another 15 minutes to now where 4.45 in the morning is not that early for me, right? So we were talking a little bit earlier how this morning I was up at 3, 3.30 changing a, changing a dirty diaper and that was a little early, but I didn't get, go back to bed. I'm not that exhausted because I'm used to that. The, other, the flip side of that coin is you can't stay up. Right. So uh, one of the coolest things that iPhone, the iPhone does is it actually has a bedtime alarm too. So I would make sure that I went to bed 15 minutes earlier in those increments as well. So what I discovered with that, so now I'm getting up earlier. It gives me two or three hours in the day where I'm fresh. Yeah. Uh, I have very little distractions in the morning. Now, if the kids get up or whatnot early, then that's fine. But mm -hmm. it's two or three hours of undistracted focus that I can do pretty much anything I want to do, right? Well, I choose to focus on real estate, which is something I'm extremely passionate about. So now I get up in the morning, I have two or three hours focused on something that I'm extremely passionate about before I even go to work. So I'm all, I mean, and most of the time I'm having conversations, I'm having coffee, I'm doing something with somebody else, right? And we're talking about very like-minded stuff. So now when I get to my W-2 job, mm -hmm. I've already had two, three hours of doing something I'm extremely passionate about. So that just puts my day on a completely separate journey than it usually was or than it was in the past, right? Well, it's really smart because uh, first thing in the morning, uh, you're going to have a lot more energy than yes. if you were going to try to squeeze in this stuff at the end of the day. Yes. And by prioritizing your most important items, you've at least won the day before you even head into the W-2. Yep. Absolutely. That's, and that's the thing, you know, I hate when I get to work and, I, and the people are dragging their feet and said, Oh man, it's a Monday or hell yeah, it's Friday. I'm like, no guys, this, y'all are looking at it wrong, right? So this job, as much as we want you to be here every day and dedicated to your job, this job should be a vehicle to pursuing what you're you're truly passionate about. And if you don't know why you're here and why you're going through these motions every day, we need to sit down and figure out what that is. And that was one of the first things I did when I started this new position. Yeah. Uh, I've got a unit of eight eight players and I said, tell me why. You know, let's go through this let's go through this reiteration. Let's you guys are challenged with going and watching Simon Sinek's uh, TED Talk about discovering your why. And then I want you to go through this seven levels deep of asking yourself why, right? Why do you come to work? Most everybody's going to say money, right? Okay, why do you want more money? Or why do you want money? And then you go to the next thing, your next revision, your next revision. And two, seven levels deep, 
for most people, it's five to seven. But if you have to go to 12 revisions, who cares? Just go until you have that aha moment of, okay, that's why I come to work, right? Then you know your why. Once you know your why, you have a bad day, you have an awesome day, it doesn't matter. You can go back and say, this is why I did this, right? If you need something to pull you out of the trenches because your head's not right, your mindset's not right for that day, that's a great reminder of to get you in the right place pretty quickly. That's so, so smart. I, I really encourage all the listeners, if you guys aren't really clear on why you're doing what you're doing every day, whether it's in your job, whether it's in your life, whether it's uh, focusing on listening to this podcast right now, I mean, take, take a second and really dive deep into that. Schedule some time for yourself if you don't have the time right now, if you can't make it, and really start figuring out what your purpose is because your purpose is what drives you forward and it's what keeps you on the path. And I can tell... I can tell Jay that you're really clear on your purpose. Otherwise, you wouldn't be waking up at 4:30 in the morning to work before you go to work yeah. <laughs> uh, for your yeah. family. Yeah, and it's also the, about the only time I'm going to get anything done, right? <laughs> yeah, but no, yeah, it, it exactly. is. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those things. And 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 I've I've talking to to a couple of people who are like, well, still, you get up at 4:30. How how do you get awake? You know, I was like, well, there's there's several things. Uh, slap cold water on your face, right? The very first, one of the very first things I do is I actually drink uh, about 16 ounces of water because if you think about it, your your body has just went seven, eight hours without anything to drink. So technically you're, you're at some level of dehydration, right? So chug some water, slap some cold water on my face, and then I'll do a real quick workout. It may be jog a mile or do a seven minute uh, high intensity training. Nothing that's going to get me in really great shape, but what I'm trying to do is wake my body up, you know, and then I'll go into maybe a 10 minute meditation, which is to wake the brain up as well, right? It's just an exercise to wake up the brain. So there I've spent probably 30 minutes of just getting myself up and getting myself awake. And then, I mean, my body's engaged, my mind's engaged, and it's, it's, it's go time, right? It's ready to hit it. So uh, it, it does make for a long day sometimes. But again, if, if on the back end, as long as you're going to bed and getting that seven, eight hours of sleep, you're, uh, you're going to be fine. It's just going to take some lifestyle adjustments, right? There's no going out to the bars. There's no trying to hang yeah. with the, the cool crowd or whatnot. It's, it's definitely a lifestyle change for sure. I mean, when I wake up and I do my morning routine, uh, I call it my four M's. I move, I meditate, I do some mindset listening, and I map my day. When I do those four things, I feel yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. Because no matter what happens after, I am going to find a way to make it great. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I just love that you're doing that as well. I've never heard the four M's, but I definitely, I mean, I've got a checklist here that I do on my real estate stuff that it, by day or every week it has this, you know, I have things that I mark off and it's sometimes it's routine, but it's, it's definitely, I like the four M's. That's, that's a really good point. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I came up with that somewhere along the line, but I'm sure I was inspired by many other yeah. smart people, <laughs> yeah. but you know, <laughs> We, we all find our, we all find our way. And, uh, you know, you obviously found yours into the real estate space. I'm curious, you know, talk to me about a time that you ran into some, some challenges or a failure and, you know, how you made it out of it. We were talking a little bit about, you know, not paying attention to marking conditions. If you wouldn't mind kind of telling us that story and, and, yeah. and what you learned from it. Yeah. So, um, paying attention to marketing conditions is something I learned. Um, I wouldn't say it was painful. I mean, it was, it was painful to kind of sit on the sidelines and think, okay, how am I going to get rid of this property? But I bought my first true rental property in 2006. So I was still a single guy. 
Uh, I've been watching all these flip shows again on HGTV, and these guys were making you know tens of thousands of dollars, every one of them, right? So I bought this house with the idea that I was going to live in and flip in it, or do a live-in flip. Single, didn't really care. I could do the work. You know, uh, I was mm-hmm. free labor, right? So I was pretty cheap. So I could do the work on the nights and weekends. Uh, and what I couldn't do, I'd, I'd just hire out. So we got the property probably ready to go. By this time, but by about 2008, 2009, I'd met my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Uh, thank God she came into the picture because she helped save me in a couple of design decisions that I or bad design decisions I was going to make. Then we were at the height of the market, right? As we all now know, 2008, 2009. So I call that my fault start because I really wasn't paying attention. I liked this house. I liked the, the place it was in. I got very emotional about, about all of it. Hey, I just want to go and do. Well, we ended up uh, moving out of that house, turning it into a rental. Uh, so the original intent was to flip it, right? Which I, th- I thought was going to take me a couple of years to do. Because I was going to live in it. I was going to do the work myself. It did. It took us a couple of years to get rid of it or to get it ready. And then we ended up trying to sell it. And, you know, the listing agent said, look, unless you're going to bring money to close, we, we can't sell this for, for what, you know, what you're asking for. And I said, okay, well, we're not going wow. to do that. So we ended up renting the property and holding on to it for another seven or eight years. Wow. Right? And here's, well, here's the pain, painful part of this uh, lesson learned is that I finally learned that how to appropriately um, evaluate a rental property. Right. What does cash flow mean? What does cash on cash return mean? And when I went through this analysis, what I discovered is it was costing me $300 a month to keep this property. It stayed fully rented from the moment we put it on the market until the time we sold it. We ended up walking away with a little bit of equity, but on paper, we, we lost, you know, probably 20 or 30 grand. Wow. Right. But we walked away with some, again, air quotes, equity in it. And, you know, I got thinking, I was like, how, how do I not know this? Right. I'm supposed to be a numbers guy. You know, I almost have a minor in math. There's all these things. That I'm like, how do I not, how do I not know how to calculate this? And once that, once I discovered and had that aha moment, I was like, look, we just need to put it on the market and get rid of it. Right. So we did. So that 40 grand, we walked away with about 40 grand in equity, bought our first true rental property. What the intention was to buy it, it was a foreclosure. We bought it for 23,000. We put 9,000 into it, if I recall correctly, mm-hmm. um, and rented it right away for $600 a month. So that was a, $300, well, rough math, $300 a month cash flow property, positive. So we went from having a negative $300 cash flow property to a positive $300 a month cash flow property. That's a $600 swing for a month. And I was like, okay, what's the trick? You know, how have we not been doing this uh, for a long time? You know, so now yeah. things are starting to click. I said, okay, how do we do this more? How do we do this more? We know how to analyze properties. Um, let's let this one season for a little bit, make sure it was, wasn't just a lucky swing, and uh, let's go from there, right? So uh, that was that was our investing experience from 2008 to, or 2006 to 2014. 
Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, of course, you bought in 2006, so that was a tough time to buy, and it was probably a tough time to sell when you ended up going down that path. Oh, yeah. But it's probably good that you ended up learning that early. Now that you've got so many properties, you're not making that same mistake again. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're up to, um, we just sold a couple. I'm in a 1031 exchange period, but we're, uh, we've got 49 units. Most of that is made up of a 42-unit apartment complex that we have with some partners, but the rest of it, my wife and I have. Um, it just her and I, and we actually have an offer. Matter of fact, the realtor just sent me over the contract to sign. Um, it's a 12 unit apartment complex that um, this the sellers already agreed to uh, the LOI that we submitted. So, um, hopefully, by this time, a couple months from now, we'll uh, we'll have 61 properties if I did the math wow. correctly. Got to forgive me. I've been up since three. <laughs> no, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. That's incredible. So, what do you think the difference is between you and and the rest of the people? You know, why do you think you've succeeded in an industry where so many others haven't? Um, I think it goes back to knowing your why, right? You got to know why because you know people listening to podcasts, my podcast, your podcast. It, it, we typically tell all the great stories. Right now, we didn't tap into the story where I bought a tax lien property that I thought was abandoned, Mm -hmm. discovered there was actually somebody squatting in it. He had been squatting in it for about a decade. Uh, This real great member of society was was uh, stealing his mom's disability check to um, buy meth supplies to so it could cook meth on the property. Um, We don't talk about those a lot, right? Nobody really wants to hear that, but they happen. Um, they, they certainly happen and, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you know your why, it goes back Mm -hmm. to knowing your why, um, you're going to, it's not going to bother you that much. Right. So that's one thing. The other thing that I finally realized is that things are not going to happen as fast and, and I should, and I need to be okay with this and I'm starting, this is one thing that I kind of work on myself, um, consistently is things don't happen as fast as I want them to, especially with kids. Right. It, you know, if you want to keep family first, you've got to realize that, okay, my son's begging me to go look at this property with me because he just wants to spend time, yeah. spend time with dad. Maybe he and I just go to the park or maybe he and I just go take a ride on the golf cart or something instead of going looking at the property. Uh, or I do take him to walk through the property with me, realizing that I'm just going to have to do it on a day where I've got more time because. I know once we get there, he's going to start asking a lot of questions, right? Like, what's this do? What's that about? Why are we here? And to where usually, you know, if I walk a property, it's mm-hmm. it's pretty quick, right? If I'm by myself, but yeah. when I take the fam, we, we try to make time to to do that. So number one, discover your why, know why you're doing it, um, because that's going to keep you, you know, push you along. Uh, number two is, is be okay with it taking more time than you expect and more time than you hear, right? Uh, everybody has their own journey. Um, you know, write yours. Don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Focus on you. Yeah, you know? I love that. I couldn't agree more. Everyone's going to have a different, a different outcome that they're looking for. Some people want to be, you know, filthy rich, and some people want to be filthy free. And those might be completely different things. They might be the same. Yeah. And so, when you can figure out what your purpose is, I, God, you know, that's that's so strong right there. We yeah. have made it to one of my favorite parts of the show: the growth rapid fire round, where the questions are quick, but the answers don't need to be. So tell me, what's a book or books that's impacted your life the most or one you're most excited about right now? Uh, I would, so the book I'm most excited about right now, and I actually have it on my 
uh, desk here is The Behavioral Investor by Daniel Crosby. A um, couple of reasons I'm excited about this book is number one, I'm, I, I believe I'm going to have him on the podcast later this later this year. But it, it talks about uh, mindset, right? Which I know you're, you're focused awesome. on. And it just gets, it really speaks to me. You know, there's a couple of books that I've picked up in the past where I thought, okay, did the author write this with me in mind? Because it was one of those just, aha, like, you know, one of those common sense things that you know is common sense, but you don't really grasp the common sense of it until it's written in a book by somebody you've never met before. So this is one of those that, you know, I'm about halfway through it. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're actually doing this for our, our mastermind where, you know, we have daily challenges, questions that I pull out of the book too. So um, it's really been, it's been challenging. And it really makes you think, right? It's not one of those that uh, just gurgitates a bunch of information at you. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. That's awesome. I'm going to have to add that to my reading list. I love something that challenges you. So yeah, yeah. from a purpose standpoint, why do you do what you do? From a purpose standpoint, um, you, you know, so I did find Rich Dad Poor Dad when uh, we were six months pregnant with our first kid. And, you know, a lot of people talk about that book and how it just had a phenomenal shift in the way they look at not only growing wealth, but creating a lifestyle for their family. And I'm the same way, right? Is that when I first read that, you know, we're, we're six months into this pregnancy, um, but there's a lot of emotions that go into becoming first dad that you don't realize that you're able to have, right? And it was just such a mind shift for me to think, okay, not only am I taking care of this one kid, we, we had talked about having multiple but what happens when I'm gone, right? What happens with the legacy that we that I want to leave? Uh, I'd been challenged a lot in my career. Hey, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? And they really honed in and took took grasp of me until we started having kids. And I'm like, okay, well, you you know, my kids are gonna. <clears throat> Let me pause for a minute. My, I want my kids to be able to not have to worry about money and be philanthropists, right? I mean, there's so many good causes that they can adopt and, and create that um, I wouldn't say I didn't have the the privilege to do, but I also didn't have the mindset to do, right? Uh, my four-year-old son has one of the biggest hearts that I've ever met in a four-year-old kid. And I would really love for him to just run after that, right? But being able to do that, Mm -hmm. uh, we live in a you know financial society, right? You got to have the money. So I want to set him up for success. My two-year-old uh, daughter, I call her uh, Kamikaze because she's just she has no fear. You know, she's just all over the place. Her little personality is mm -hmm. developing, and I'm sure there's going to be something that she's going to want to run after, right? And I want to be able to set them up for that success. And then number three, of course, she's she's been here for two months. We've got it all figured out, right? Um, but I'm sure she's going to have something that she wants to, to passionately pursue. And I want to be able to provide that for them mm -hmm. and not have them to worry about money, right? But I will say this, I also don't want them to be spoiled little brats either. So it's going to be hugely important as we work through this and they get older and we start handing stuff over to them to make sure that they're they're not spoiled little brats. So that's that's highly important for me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that that's the fun part, right? Of of what you can instill in them that's still going to give them the drive, yeah. uh, while also giving them the security that you really 
really want for them. Yep. That's going to be the challenge for me, right? So from an inspiration standpoint, who are some of your mentors and how do they influence your career? Oh man, that's a good one. Um, you know, I'd have to go back to the to my grandparents. They, mm-hmm. you know, they were doing this before it was cool. You know, I didn't tap into the the story of how my grandfather, how my grandparents obtained their home, but uh, basically, they were. My grandfather was walking down the road, saw a man pulling off a front porch of this uh, his three bedroom, one bath, two story, nineteen hundred square foot house, and he just needed some spare lumber. He said, "Hey, you mind if I take?" a couple of planks, you know, for whatever he was doing. Well, the man looked at him and said, you can have the whole damn house if you'll have it moved by the end of the month. Uh, So they went and bought a double lot. Luckily, they had the cash to buy the double lot. They had the house moved. And my dad still owns it today. So that was 40-something years ago. And the funny thing is, it cost them more to move the house uh, than it did for them to purchase the lot that it's on. So it's it's one of those wow. just real cool stories, and I've got a picture of it somewhere. My granddad wow. and all the movers are there, so it, it, you That's know so it's cool. it's it's cool to see you know what they started, and it never was one of those things where you know my parents did a real good job of when I'm growing up. Hey, pursue what you want to pursue, right? Be passionate about what you want to be passionate about, and luckily, like we were talking about earlier, uh, I've got that experience to lean back on if needed, you know. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have to say with my my grandparents are uh, are are the one of the main focus of that, and also the, my immediate family, my wife and my kids. That's so fun to have uh, an awesome story like that and something to look up to. Yeah. Finally, yeah. what drives you to live your best life every day? I mean, I got to go back to the kids. Totally. You know, I mean, I, I walk. I mean, I have to because I walk in, and I say the kids, but my wife as well. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. I married up. Certainly, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, never, um, never really imagined getting married and having kids. Uh, but now that we are the family five that we are, never imagined it. I can't imagine it a different way. You know, and and I've realized how special my wife is and everything that she does. She stays at home with the kids. So like we were talking about earlier, I know we're supposed to go for a little bit longer today. And and I was like, look, man, we got to cut it short. Because I walked in, I could just tell she's had one of those days, you know, and the kids were just being kids, quite frankly, you know, and and trying to manage that. But seeing them, you know, when I walk in in the house at the end of the day and they scream, you know, daddy's home or whatever and run over to me and just being able to to provide them the things that they want to do again without spoiling them. Um, it mm-hmm. just, it's motivating to me. I mean, to be able to provide for them the way we do and, and um, you know, to hopefully set them up to be financially uh, independent, so to speak. That's great. That's that's so inspiring. I look forward to having those same kind of motivations at some point. So finally, where can people find out more about you? And get in touch. Yeah, so uh, I'll give you two links. Uh, HelmsREI.com is our blog. Uh, and you'll have to forgive me when you go there. You're going to see a gap in activity <laughs> for the last couple of months. Um, because I have, uh, you know, we had number three. We had baby number three. So that's been an adjustment period. Also started a new job. Um, so my uh, my 
the quote that I've adopted here recently is progress over perfection. And if you're, if you're being perfect, then you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely making strides on progress and I'm nowhere near perfection when it comes to updating that blog, but there's some contact info and some other links and some free resources on that. And the other thing uh, we talked about earlier is the W2 capitalist um, movement. Uh, that's just W2 capitalist, uh, no S on the end of capitalist. Uh, .com. So W2Capitalist.com and HelmsREI.com are the best way to get in touch. Great. Well, we will include those in the show notes, of course. And thanks so much, Jay. I look forward to our next conversation, which I know is coming soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to TheInvestorMindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level. 